What we doing it for? We doing it for the culture. For the culture. The culture. Hey, what it do, Kaifu? This your host, D-Boy. And I'm your host, Bex Bumble. Welcome to the For the Cultures podcast, y'all. Episode 26, and we have a special, special guest in the house. Uh, You may have heard of us uh, speak about her. Um, We've definitely covered the book that she co-authored. Yes, we're talking about none other than Yuki, Yuki. Kihara. What's Woo! up? Uh, thanks so much for having me, you guys, D, uh, D-Boy and Bix. I'm so honored to be part of your show. We're honored to have you. We, I, I'm just still kind of in shock right now that we have you here with us. Major fangirling. Right? Major fangirling. <laughs> uh, never did I think that when, you know, I caught wind of the book. Um, through your Facebook channel, um, and was instantly like moved to buy it, and I, you know, I had to buy my girl a uh, a copy too, yes, just Lord. because this is, you know, the platform that we're creating as two queer folks. You know, it's like this is a book that we need to be reading, right? Yeah. This is a book that we need to just talk about. This this book was created for the cultures, right? right? Yeah. Never did I think that we would uh, be blessed. And uh, have the honor to have you with us in the studio, right on this platform. So I think we, I think we were both shocked when we seen that she replied back to yeah, emails. We were like, "Oh my gosh, that's Yuki!" It really does just take a uh, you know a, a a bit of faith and a, and a risk of just reaching out to folks because you know sometimes you'll get a response, sometimes you won't. And honestly thought I wasn't going to get a response. I mean, it just kind of worked out, you know, the timing was was right. Because, I mean, first of all, um, you know, my trip was, you know, being uh, paid for by the Fine Arts Museum of San Francisco. Oh, wow. Um, in the occasion, yeah, in, on the occasion of my, uh, the presentation of my uh, video work that's currently screening at the museum at the moment. So. Oh. You know, nice. uh, it's great that, you know, I was able to, uh, you know, you know, take part in the activities of the museum as well as, you know, be part of your podcast. So, yeah. you know, yes. I think the universe was aligned for. Oh, for yes. absolutely. You know, that's right. The ancestors are with us. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Thank you, Lord. Mm-hmm. The ancestors are with us. So it's really good to have you here, Yuki. Yeah. Come on. Uh, yeah. I'm just I'm shooketh. Right. <laughs> I am shooketh. Pierce, and she's. Super down to earth. We just had um, a, well, what Danny Boy likes to call a snack. It was a little snack. That's all I'm it saying. was a little with three H's. Okay, three H's. It was a little snack. It was a little nibble meal. But um, <laughs> yeah, that clam chow- chowder it was bomb. It was right? Very nice, man. Yeah. You know, that was for a bootleg Yuki. clam chowder from Black Bear Diner. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it was pretty bomb. It was yeah. pretty bomb. Yeah, I was just wondering where the clam came from. <laughs> Um, Don't you know. know, from the sea, from the Pacific, <laughs> you know, they imported it. <laughs> from the can. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but but I know, like, you've had a long flight getting here, yeah? Oh, my gosh. You just flew in today. Yeah, it was uh, 12 hours. Wow. Uh, so I uh, left Auckland on um, 8.30 Friday and then arrived, uh, you know, this morning, like 10.30 or 11 o'clock or something like that. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, thankfully, um, I was put on a like a, a premium economy flight. It was covered mm. by the museum, so 
Um, okay. You know, I was able to stretch my legs out, nice. but no, not far enough. <laughs> it but, wasn't quite first class. <laughs> yeah, it was quite first class. But, you know, like they served like nice food and, mm. um, you know, great movies. And then I slept. Did uh, you the way enjoy through. your two movies and a nap? Um, actually, a yeah. A little bit more. A little bit more. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Yeah. That's what's up. And then, um, yeah, I managed to uh, see some movies uh, that I haven't seen. Which movies you know, was that? I don't know. Like these these uh, kids, you know, some Christmas kids movies. Oh. <laughs> yeah. You know, I would have just went right there. to sleep. <laughs> I can't right. stand those damn movies. Yeah. I like to watch some uh, some action-packed stuff. Me too. Or some real, like, dra- dramatic yeah. type films. I, yeah. I love all films, but the kitty ones, not so much. No. Yeah. Nah, I can't dig it. Yeah, I just um, I think the movie that I watched was called like Nutcracker or something like that. Mm. Um, uh, is yeah, that, is that a popular story uh, in Samoa or in New Zealand? The Nutcracker? No, it's not. Um, it's just a it, because like you know when you um, you know travel with a New Zealand. Uh-huh. Um, you know, there's uh, like on the screen, you get to pick like all these like new movies. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And then uh, there's this one Nutcracker movie, and it was a Christmas movie, and then the visuals kind of looked really interesting. Um, and it kind of reminded the, like the color scheme reminded me of a pastel drawing by this artist called Degas. Mm. Um, and I thought, like, oh, this is really interesting. So I actually just watched it for the visual impact. Okay, yeah. So, and, you know, me and my arty research. You know? <laughs> Yuki, you know you was watching it because you thought it was some other kind of movie. <laughs> wow. You thought so, some uh, some polos were going to get cracked in a different kind of way. <laughs> I know. I wish they had that. Uh, uh, <laughs> kind of you was watching the wrong Nutcracker. <laughs> okay. I asked if it's popular in, you know, in Samoa or in New Zealand because uh, here it's one of the classics. Oh, is it? The Nutcracker, yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's a play that is constantly, you know... Uh, reinvented all the time. Produced and reinvented and done in, like, school plays. and Right. Yeah, it's just, it's like one of the classics. I, one of the classics. Classic yeah. American stories, I guess. Yeah. yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. I ain't never read it or ever seen it. Uh-huh. It's not something I either. care about, but it is, like, within the American culture. Okay. You should read so Interesting the, to know. The, the real Nutcracker. <laughs> yeah. It might be uh, one of the blue movies. <laughs> Cracking some nuts. Yeah. <laughs> it'll, 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 be, it'll be called Coconut Cracker. <laughs> <laughs> no, you <laughs> Gonna crack those coconuts. Oh, wow. <laughs> Squeeze them to get the coconut juice. <laughs> Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. Welcome, to the, af- welcome to the Welcome to the Hours for the right? culture. You scrape the coconut and hoy, come on, break it down, break it down, and you know, and the coconuts, you know, just break it down. Cream, of course, that's (laughs) everything. Oh man, it's got the juice of life, and it's delicious. (laughs) (laughs) And that's our coconut water. That's our coconut water commercial. (laughs) (laughs) They should sponsor your your podcast. Okay, yeah. What a what a good. What a good uh, takeoff for our episode 26. <laughs> that wasn't our check-in, y'all. We want to just check in. <laughs> we just wanted to introduce our our uh, extinguished guest mm. to the podcast and just say that we are very appreciative to have you yes, here once Lord. again. Um, and so as we always do, just a quick check-in. Bex, how you doing? I'm doing great. I'm doing really well. 
just a little. I think I hit my plateau with this whole vegan adventure, mm. so I kind of went a little like my body wasn't really happy because I think it was so, it was used to like meats and like junk food, and now yeah. it's kind of like plant based food and like all this other crap. So I started. Doing well in the beginning, you know, I was very energetic. Yeah. I felt like I was dropping some weight, but now it's like I'm getting fatigued, running out of like energy, and I'm just like, oh my gosh, I'm I'm like seconds away from pulling up to Jack in the Box and ordering oh. a number, <laughs> the ultimate cheeseburger. <laughs> have you been to, Have you been to our Jack in the Box out here in the states? No. Oh, it's Jack in the Box is one of those fast things. food. It's a yeah. fast food chain. Yeah. But, oh gosh, the burgers are life. <laughs> okay, I have to try. Okay, I have to try. Oh my goodness! That, that was usually going? after the the turn up. Uh-huh. <laughs> that was my go to place. It was yeah, Jack in the Box because it's twenty four hours. It's good so. drunken food. Yeah. Oh really? <laughs> oh yeah. It's oh one of those ones. Oh, yeah, yeah, one of oh, those places. God. Oh, it must be very good then. Oh Yuki, we're gonna take you after this no trip <laughs> on us. No trip, no trip. <laughs> I, you know, a lot of people. I mean, we do a hell of product placement right now, but hell of people. You know, when they come, um, maybe. No, nah, to California. When mm-hmm. they come to California, they always want to go to In and Out. Yeah, that's true. I don't know and why. And Jack in the Box. Honestly, yeah, because like when I lived in the South, uh, in Atlanta for two years, they ain't got no Jack in the Box out there, and I used it's to a crave damn it. shame. I used to crave it, and they would say, "Oh, like the closest Jack in the Box is in North Carolina." Damn which is like a few, you know, like a few hours away, or whatever. I'm like, nah, right. I'm not driving all the way for some damn <laughs> Jack in the Box. Yeah. But mm. I, I hear you. Bless my heart. Bless my body. Yeah. What Just you, for this you, week, I think. I mean, what are you going to, like, what do you think you need to do to take care of yourself? Uh, buy some more supplements. I, I've been up. over here trying to just do it raw. Like, man, I'm, no, I'll just go drink a, just a, ju- a, a vegetable juice or get more rest because I thought I just was sleep deprived. But yeah. You know, bananas also a a good um, food to actually right. build uh, energy. Yeah, no, yeah. definitely. I have one too many bananas. <laughs> like I feel like okay. bananas are like my go-to. Bananas and apples, I go to those all the time. But okay. I think I need to start venturing off to like berries okay. and like other more vegetables, more greens. Mm-hmm. So I haven't I haven't really grown a love for greens yet, mm-hmm. especially salads, because mm-hmm. I would need the meat, mm-hmm. the cheese. The ranch, I would need all that in salad. So I'm trying to like really condition my whole just taste buds to really loving the food that I'm eating now. So. Okay. Hey, uh, there's a uh, give me a minute. It'll take a while. There's a, a Samoan woman. I believe she's Samoan. I know she's Islander, but um, I I, th- I followed her page. I haven't seen her in a while, but she, I believe, yeah, maybe she was Samoan. But she had a page where her page was just dedicated to her uh, being vegan mm. and like sharing recipes and, you know, just all nice. the ways in which um, her diet has changed and how she's able to remix foods that she misses, but, you know, have it vegan style. Yeah. So maybe that's something worth checking out is really just seeing how you can prepare some stuff that like you have a taste for. Like right. some burgers, but, but the, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I did. I, I I have a few restaurants, you know, that I go to as far as like my craving, my unhealthy cravings. Because, I mean, even even if you're a vegan, you can still eat unhealthy. Because that's just like 
mm. a thing, I guess. But so I'm I'm more of the unhealthy vegan because I like eat all the carbs and all the bad stuff that I mm. shouldn't be eating. I want to be, I hopefully want to be the plant based, always eating greens and raw stuff. So not there yet. So I'm kind of jumping in slow. How about you, Danny boy? How was your week? I'm okay. Yeah. Uh, my week has been very. Uh, it's been very strenuous. I'll say that mm. it's been strenuous in in the fact that like, um, I've had we've had workout three times this week. Okay. And Kiana really kicked our ass. Yeah. Or our asses. You know me and my niece. Um, and my body really feels it now. It's very. I think it's very similar to what you're experiencing and like my body is is uh re reintroducing itself to mm. just being in this kind of movement mm. you know from probably not being as active right. as i once was before and so like i feel it all over like my legs my knees my back especially especially cuz i'm not like sleeping on a bed right, right. like i sleep on the recliner and it's probably not a very good position for my back and, and a lot of pain in during this workout has been with my lower back mm. to where it feels like like you know just being active or even walking a few steps and like my back my lower back feels like it's tightening up mm. yeah that shit really it began to me i be wanting to like sit down and quit or like i just want to plop but i be trying to fight through it <laughs> but some I, I really need to get checked out I yeah. still have not made my doctor's appointment. Danny boy. Uh, I know. So I haven't been like taking care of myself like I said I would. Like oh. how we do at the end of every episode. But right. I'm going to make my doctor's appointment because I got to work this shit out. I mean, I know it's, you know, it's part of the process of getting back into the flow of exercising and right. being active. But I feel like it might, you know, like my, my sleeping patterns and things like that might contribute to it all. So... But yeah. do you feel like a change just as far as your body other um, than feeling sore? And... I think that's just the, probably the only thing I'm feeling is just the soreness. Mm. It's a good sore. You know, I'm not I'm not complaining in the way where it's like, oh, she's, you know, kicking my ass in a bad way. She's kicking my ass in a good way. That's what's up. Um, and so I welcome it. But it is, it's different. And I definitely feel it, so. Mm. I'm going to just call it out for what it is. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so. I mean, I feel super guilty because, you know, <laughs> being vegan and exercising is something absolutely I do not do. <laughs> so, so it's like, you know, it's oh like a gosh. big wake-up call for me to just kind of listen to your respective journeys. And it's like, actually, that's something I should be considering <laughs> as well. I mean, especially with all this, like, long-distance traveling. Right. I mean, you know, right. I actually get a stiff neck. Mm. from traveling and then uh, one of the things that I usually look uh, look forward to like you know after I've landed like a long haul flight mm -hmm. is looking for somewhere I can get a, like a neck massage mm. uh, because I get the I get the strain on like you know at the back of my neck uh, or else like I get migraines that I have to keep taking you know uh, paracetamol or something oh wow um, so do you do you have a yeah. um, one of those travel pillows yeah, I mean, I, I have a couple of them, but they don't work for 
my short neck. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's not designed for a neck like uh, mine. You know? <laughs> for, for, for a tiny neck like mine. It doesn't, uh, you know, so. well, maybe we just got to find the baby ones. And yeah. be okay. <laughs> Those little yeah. ones? Oh my yeah. gosh. I was just kidding. Yeah. But I mean, I think to that point of you know feeling guilty is is maybe I, I i always feel that way too but i know that like for my reasoning but for getting in this groove again is because i want to live yeah you know yes. what i mean like uh even with this whole sobriety thing you know just uh drinking smoking drugs all the bad eating lack of sleep you know i was just asking for a heart attack right. You know, so really just trying to um, actually take those preventative measures mm -hmm. to hopefully stop those diseases that I'm prone to mm. or, or very susceptible to, right? Like diabetes runs in my family, uh, heart disease, cancer, you know. Mm -hmm. It's really sad because it's almost as if like you or I kind of like wonder what kind of cancer I'm going to have, you know, because it happens so oftenly to our people where it's like, it's just going to, if it comes, it's, it's like bound to happen. Mm -hmm. You know, it's kind of very, uh, what's the word morbid mm -hmm. to think of that, but just with what you see in front of you and around you, right. it's almost as if that's the case, but yeah. I hope what I'm, you know, hope all the, the routes I'm taking, can prevent or prolong that from happening. Yeah. So. You know, the uh, with my family, because when I began to um, start changing my diet and including more greens and more vegetables mm. um, in my diet, um, my mom started uh, growing more spices, growing mm. more fruit, mm -hmm. like papaya and avocado and mm. like spices for food and that. Right. Um, and then, so just my conviction to say that, okay, so I want to have this, this, and this, um, and I want to increase uh, more vegetables and more fruits, and I want to have that more readily, like a snack and whatever. Right. And then first of all, you know, and my family were like, okay, so this is new. Like, I don't know how long you're going <laughs> to be doing this for. But because I stuck to it, and everybody joined in. Right. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Like, my mom, like, you know... Uh, because, I mean, you know, like, you know, I'm in my 40s, but my mom still cooks for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, uh, you know. Always be a mama. You know, and, um, mm. and then, uh, you know, I, you know, I, you know, I asked her that, you know, I want less salt in my food. Mm. You know, like, the, you know, you just start, like, little by little, little you but, know. Yeah. Like, you know, like. You know, like, uh, our dinner table will always have, like, a bowl of fruit. Mm -hmm. Um and, you know, like after, like we would have like, you know, like a big steak or something. Then we, we always grab onto like a banana and mm. then I okay, okay, mom, we have to eat banana, uh, you know, just to, you know, right. counteract the, mm -hmm. the sodium that mm -hmm. we have in our body. And then so we just naturally, because I do it all the time and everybody's like, oh, okay, maybe I should have a banana. And then so like a week later, then everybody's doing it. <laughs> All it takes is one person to do so it, right? Yeah. To yeah. set to the trend. Set so if you stick to it, ah. then everybody kind of like... You start you, a they, movement. You know, it, it just rubs right. off on everybody else. And then like, yeah, now, you know, like banana is like a staple food that's now. True. And um, and um, uh, papaya. Yeah, no, yeah. that's true. You, you just said something really uh, 
really uh, special to me. You know, uh, you said that your mom grow, grows papaya and avocado, avocado and, and spices and spices, and it's like, wow, she grows it. <laughs> you know, like here because of just you know how how it is here, right? Yes. Like we go to the store and we buy those things, yes. right? We we don't. We're not as connected to the land to have right. those things, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, there's community gardens and stuff where folks are really doing this, but it's not at a rate where like everybody's doing that. Right? Yeah. And mm-hmm. that's just that's just something really special to me because it's like that's what it's like to be back yeah. at home, right? Your mom's in Samoa. Yes, I mean. That sounds very nostalgic, you know. It, it feels. But, yeah, that's not nostalgic, but I mean. But that's a normal thing, right? It is, but um, but the thing is, is that in Samoa, there's also a growing population of people who take it for granted and don't mm. not do that. Yeah. I could do so, um, and then luckily enough, you know, my mom, uh, my mom loves growing a variety of different flowers and pot plants. Uh-huh. So it was a natural step for her to actually grow, grow these other right. things. Right. She's got a real green thumb, as um, they would call it. Yeah, yeah. and then uh, she just loves to show off these like rare orchids and, and tropical flowers and stuff. Mm. I mean, okay, but for you guys, it sounds really exotic. But <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it sounds like my grandma. You know, yeah. my grandma has a really uh green thumb and she does a lot of planting and mm, yeah. she she's i think she's tried to grow you know a few things and we don't have a we don't have a garden but she just plants it you know because that's yeah. it's just her thing. i mean you know you so can, it's very like connected yeah. you know in yeah. that way where it's like it, mm. it yeah it may seem nostalgic but it's just beautiful i, yeah. I feel yeah. like it's very beautiful that mm. yeah. that you have that yeah, option yeah. available to you. Yeah. But yeah. you can do it too, you know. Very, yeah. Very Try. true. Very true. Yeah. Because here, you know, like here they have like community gardens and things like that. And a lot of folks. Utilize it. Really yeah. wanting to like uh, really purchase land or buy space so that it could be turned into community gardens. So it really teaches and empowers young people to know these sets of skills so that. You know, we're we're less reliant on, right. you know, on like, uh, like supermarkets and yeah. you know, big chains that are selling those things. Yeah. Like, we can do these things for right. ourselves. So, just the same thing, right? Like, right. Mm-hmm. like I mean, you might not have all these. Granted. Yeah, you might have not have all these things that you know I do in Samoa. Well, my mom does in Samoa mm. here in uh, California. But you know, going to support the farmers market That's is like yeah. right. you know, it's like another way. Right. I mean, yeah, you so might right. not be you know growing it yourself, you know, at your home, but just by you know going to the farmers market, right. you know, is like another True. way of You're actually right. you know supporting yeah. that kind of movement. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I really love how you mentioned. Um, that you stuck to it and then your family followed honest honestly it's yeah yeah because it just shows that you know it just takes one person to yeah. make something that was once unattractive attractive yeah. you know yeah. and that's it's simple as by modeling that you made like carrots because i hate carrots but I, I bet you if i seen you eat it one week straight i'm going after those carrots. Like, you know what, what you was eating it at the studio and i just i'm gonna eat it you know it's just, yeah. it just takes one person to just Spark the fire. Right. Nice. All of that to say, Yuki, how you doing? Yeah. <laughs> how you doing? We went all we went. How you doing, Yuki? 
Um, I am good. I'm uh, slightly jet lagged, but I'm also mm. like very excited to be here. So, um, you know, I'm. I feel like I'm awake now for <laughs> 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 the jet lag. Um, so, um, I've been good. You know, I've been preparing to. I've been preparing uh, to. Uh, you know, for, for my trip and you know it was just a couple of days ago that we had the Auckland launch of Salmon Queer Lives oh, which awesome. we were going to talk about yes. in the podcast so um, uh, you know it was you know I mean I just uh, left Samoa two weeks ago um, I was in Wellington for like a week and then oh, Auckland um, and you know you know, Auckland's uh, Samoa Queer life. Lives launch <laughs> and then so here I am Right. You know, and I'm here for like maybe like a week or so and then oh, I wow. go back sure. uh, yeah. to to Aotearoa, New Zealand. Yeah. Awesome. So, you know, coming here has been, you know, and you know, it was an anticipating uh trip. Aww. And we're so lucky to have you here. So one week, huh? We got a jack in a box, in and out. <laughs> <laughs> what else? Farmers Kicking market. Farmers oh. market. Farmers <laughs> market. Oh man. Well, uh, as you alluded to, Yuki, we are going to definitely get into talking about not only the book Samoan Queer Lives, but also you as an artist. Okay. Um, and as always, you know, we usually have our regular segments where we do our mm, bruh, mm. we do our ICU, and then we chop it up. But for the sake of, you know, having our honored guests in the house tonight, we're just going to go into our ICU, and then we're going to use the rest of our time just to talk to Yuki I see, you About know, everything and anything. Everything, right? Really pick your brain. Dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> we ready. Coconut balls. <laughs> What's next? Co- coconut oh cracker. Gosh. What else you got to crack next? <laughs> okay. And squeeze out. <laughs> I can't with these two. Oh. Mind you, they both are sober as hell right now. Very, very. That's See, how you so know it's a good time. That's why we don't need to drink. Mm, yeah, right? Well, <laughs> no, I was, yeah. <laughs> I was say, it's a lot funner. <laughs> it can get real dirtier. <laughs> but I assure you, I'm sure we can do that without drinking. Yeah, just right. fine without it. Yeah. But all of this talk about, you know... Inappropriate stuff. We go, we're gonna, <laughs> we gonna let us go. ground ourselves. <laughs> really? Yes, we are really. Let us ground ourselves as we uh, always do. Uh, we've been doing Lord. this for a few episodes now, of just really uh, grounding ourselves in, in a blessing or in a prayer, whatever, um, folks do to, to really, um, yeah, a quote, yeah. you know, a proverb, anything that really helps ground us and settle us to be in the space. You know, to uh, Tosi Leva, mm. and um, yeah, yeah, really just set the tone for us. So Yuki, would you do the honor of uh, grounding <laughs> us before we get into into everything? Okay, so I just want to uh, acknowledge our creator that has enabled us to come together today, yes. and yes. to also <clears throat> uh, acknowledge the indigenous peoples to whose land we currently occupy, mm. and where we are. Uh, uh, currently conducting this uh, podcast, mm-hmm. and to thank you, Bex and uh, Danny Boy, mm. for inviting me to be part of your amazing uh, series of podcasts. Mm-hmm. I'm very grateful to be here, and I'm also grateful to be, uh, you know, g- being offered this wonderful platform to 
uh, in hope to, you know, grow an audience for myself. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, you know, to uh, particularly, you know, your audience in, in the United States mm-hmm. um, who may not be uh, familiar with my work. So I'm very excited to be here. So it's, it feels like, an, you know, I'm debuting myself to everybody in the United <laughs> States. <laughs> yes. Or oh, the Turtle Island. <laughs> yeah. And we've got our first. <laughs> mm-hmm. Thank you, Yuki. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Okay. So my ICU for this week goes out to Afro Tane. Hey, what's up? Also known as Deja Territory to some, mainly family, but um, I want to recognize this young lady who is, she likes to be called an activist, a poet. She's also an artist, both drawing and um, music. Mm -hmm. Um, And she's an amazing cook and baker. That was a new discovery that I just recently uh, found. I found that out like through Instagram. Yeah, I seen that on her story. She, she made, made coconut, some... some coconut puffs. Yeah, yeah. I was yeah. gonna say balls, but then I felt like you got <laughs> both of your minds were gonna go back to the pine to the coconut balls, and I just couldn't afford that right now. Yeah, they look Focus. like cream puffs. They're coconut. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's what's up. Yeah, coconut cream, cream puffs, puffs. I think. Yeah. Yeah, so, they look bomb. Yeah, she's an awesome cook and baker, and um, yeah, so. I wanted to recognize Deja really quick. She will be coming on our show yeah. next week. That's exciting. So kind of just preparing her her platform. But, yeah, I really love this girl a lot. She is family to me. And um, I just really love how she uses her voice on her platform. She likes to talk about some, uh, what is it called, big truth of the day. She would mm. always just kind of share a gem of whatever is happening in her world or in our Pacific Island community. So, yeah. Deja Territory, aka Afro Tene, I see you, girl. I really love Deja because uh, I was introduced to her when I was with my uh, with one of my friends down in SoCal, and we were um, hitting up a lot of the different spots, you know, the the poetry spots mm. um, over in Pomona and and other spots like that, and we happened to be at a spot where Deja was performing at, and uh, she performed this one song that I always, always tease her about, but it's it was so dope. It's called Vanilla Ice Cream. Okay. So, Daisha, if you're listening, <laughs> if you hear this, hopefully I can get you to sing a few bars of that when she comes Vanilla up. Ice Cream. Because yeah. that shit is dope. She has a beautiful voice. Uh, I remember she killed it. Like she, um, in one of the, in one of the songs slash poet poems that she did right it was like she fused both of them together so beautifully mm. you know um she's really and she's just really active she has a strong voice right you know, she speaks yeah. out against a lot of um violence that happens to Samoan women yeah at the hands of Samoan men who are in power mm-hmm. um and she catches a lot of flack for it too but she really just pushes the issue because it's important to yeah you know, so we know Daisha. We know yeah. Afro She yeah. likes to push. Uh, Afro Tane. So it's so. I just even love that name. You right. Know? Yeah. It, it's so her identity. Yeah. Um, she's a she's a phenomenal songwriter. She, man, her pen game is yeah. Because she wrote Vanilla Ice Cream yeah. too, which is pretty dope. She has this new she, song that I'm trying to, um, kind of just you know walk with her, you know, and to help 
just get her exposed and her foot in the door as far as studio. So hopefully next week, you know, come on with that EP. Yeah, you know, we'll be able to (laughs) kind of get something recorded for her, and um, yeah, I'm excited. So Afro Tainted, I see you, girl. (laughs) (laughs) How about you, Danny boy? Uh, Let's see. So this week, my ICU goes out to a man. Um, He is an activist as well. Um, from Australia, I believe. His name is Joseph Zane Sikulu. Oh, yes. I who remember is a climate change warrior at uh, 350.org. Come on. And just really, really active in the, in the fight for bringing uh, the issues of climate change to the Pacific, to mm. the forefront. Um, he's done a lot of um, work with the different, um, the different conferences that happen. I believe there was one that just happened recently um, in Paris. Paris, I believe. Um, and they did this whole campaign uh, with a bunch of other with a bunch of other climate change warriors called Have Your Say mm. uh, where it brought attention to you know, the issues of sea level rise mm. in the Pacific because, you know, it's, it's really happening to our homelands. Um, and the reason why I want to recognize this brother is because uh, there's an article that was circulating on Facebook where he goes into depth about just uh, his identity as a gay uh, Tongan man um, mm. and even in his fight. Right. You know, in his fight for uh, visibility within climate change, but just even with his, within his identity. Right. Um, and so we'll de- I'll definitely put the link in our notes. Yeah. So folks could take That's a awesome. look. But all of that to say... Joseph Zane Sikulu, I see you. Nice. Nice. And we also see you too, Yuki. <laughs> right, right. In that's the, the real huh, that's the real ICU right? like in real life. <laughs> in person. I mean, I wanted to, you know, uh, dedicate an ICU to both of you, but I kind of said that a little bit earlier. So <laughs> <laughs> the rest can go to hell. <laughs> oh, I love it. <laughs> Thank you, um, Yuki. <laughs> We're all blushing. So I know. Yeah. Like, real? like, what do you say? How do you come back from that? Yeah. Oh well, it is. Um, it is just really an honor and a pleasure, and we want to get to know who Yuki is, right? We want to get to know about you as a. Do you really want to know? How much do you really want to know? We we want to know it all. We really want to know. Coconut balls and all. (laughs) We want to know it all, girl. You know, just your backstory, where you come from, uh, your artistry, and of Mm. course, getting into this beautiful, beautiful piece of literature that we have available to us now for the culture. Okay. So, yeah. So, Yuki... So where should I start? Okay, so um, I have a Japanese name. Mm-hmm. Uh, Yuki Kihara is a Japanese name. So my father is Japanese and my mother is Samoan. Uh, my mother uh, is from uh, Singamonga, Fatsuiya. Mm. Uh, and uh, we currently live on a freehold land where we built our family home um, in uh, Apaula in Mount Vaya. That's in Upolu Island. My dad is from Osaka. Um, and he was working for a, uh, a Japanese organization called JICA mm. that dispatch uh, uh, trained uh, Japanese people to uh, developing countries around the world to help uh, improve their uh, infrastructure. Mm-hmm. 
and to, and to co collaborate with local countries uh, to help improve the infrastructure. And then, uh, so my dad was dispatched uh, to Samoa mm. in 1973 when he met my mom. Mm. Um, and then, so at that time, when my dad arrived, uh, the hub for Japanese community in Upolu Island at that time was the village of Singamonga. And then uh, my mother would also hang out um, in the village of Singamonga, well, because that's where her family's from, with her other stepsisters. Um, and then naturally, as young people, you know, the young Japanese men and the young Samoan women would hang out. And um, there was this uh, one time, uh, a whole group of them went to a Mexican restaurant in Apia in the 60s. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. <laughs> <laughs> there Mexican was a Mexican restaurant, restaurant. Yeah, there, there in Samoa. Yeah, there was a Mexican restaurant in the sixties in in uh, in Apia, and then um, oh my God, and, and a whole crazy. group of them, um, you know, had dinner, and then uh, my mom and my dad were sitting by opposite to each other, and then uh. they both ordered steak. They ordered that carne, carne salsa. They both ordered steak, and then um, my mom finished her steak first, and then um, my dad couldn't finish his steak, and mm. then so my dad gave his leftover steak to my mom, and that's when my mom fell in love with my dad. <laughs> oh my! <laughs> Look at that love story. <laughs> yeah. That's so cute. Yeah. Could, and then so, you know, that's how, you know, they met and they fell in love, and my, you know, yeah, my and then a child was born. And that's born. how you came <laughs> to be. Yeah, and that's how I came to be. So I was born in Samoa um, uh, at the Mototo Hospital in Upolu Island in 1975. Mm. Um, there's three of us in my family. Um, so after I was born, um, uh, my parents moved to uh, Jakarta in Indonesia, mm. which um, Bex, you've been to Indonesia mm -hmm. before, um, where uh, my brother was born in uh, 1974. Uh, we lived in uh, Jakarta for five years. Wow. And subsequently, my father got posted back to Osaka. So we lived in Osaka for seven years. Mm. And then um, when I turned like maybe 12 or 13, um, my family moved back to Samoa with the intention, to, uh, with, with the intent on uh, living in Samoa permanently, mm. um, and we did. Um, and my parents uh, opened the first Japanese restaurant in Samoa, oh, wow. which is called uh, the Lesinas Lounge. Wow. Um, so, if you were living in Samoa like during the eighties and the nineties, then you would know. Uh, Lesinas Lounge because it was a very very popular restaurant because it was up in a mountain and mm. you could see like a nice view and mm. we you know had very cool breeze and people would come for dinner or just for drinks and playing pool and um, it was a very very popular place you know remember it was a restaurant but mm -hmm. people wanted to have their weddings there oh wow birthdays oh, nice. even funerals wow well, yeah they had the lauavas over there um, or, or like they would have the yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, because um, uh, I think it's because of the food that we were serving because it was, I mean, you know, mom did a lot of the cooking and she was serving like, you know, uh, Japanese Samoan fusion food. What? I know, I know, I know. Okay, this is this is how it happened. And then so I know. Can you break it down a little bit? Okay. So like so the restaurant was first open like maybe like nineteen eighty-eight. And then for the first couple of months, um at that time, um you know, there were like a lot of Japanese volunteers working in Samoa. There was like a you know, like a maybe like forty or fifty uh, Japanese people living in uh, in Samoa at that time. Mm. 
Um, and then for the first six months, like, um, you know, the Japanese community were predominantly like our clientele. But like after mm. maybe five, six months, like, I mean, like, you know, you can't keep serving like the same right, customers yeah. all the time. Because, I mean, you know, the novelty kind of wears off, right? And then so um, at that time, like, you know, my mom and my dad, you know, because they were both, uh, you know, working at the restaurant, were preparing like, you know, like typical Japanese style food. Like, you know, big plates, small portions, looked really arty and minimalist, you know. Mm. <laughs> um, and then, but, you know, as time goes by, you know, my mom said to my dad, like, well, you know, you realize we're in Samoa. You know, if we're going to sustain our business, we have to cater to the Samoan taste buds. Yeah. <laughs> right. You know, it means yeah. that, you know, sashimi had to be bigger. <laughs> Tempura had to be bigger. <laughs> you know, everything just kind of had to go bigger. Oh, wow. um, And, you know, we kind of had to experience experiment with like more sauces mm. um, and then um, so it was Japanese food made for the salmon taste bud and then um, and it uh, genius yeah and it uh, uh, was in operation was in business for like maybe 20 20 years wow. that's a good run maybe, maybe like maybe 18 yeah 18 years uh-huh. um, so you know my first job was working at a restaurant like in catering oh wow, wow. Um and then uh, maybe like when I was 16, I moved to New Zealand. Mm. Um, so I went to a boarding school in Wellington, to an all-boys boarding school. So I was, oh. I was the only girl in this butch, lucky you. Lucky you. And I tell you, this is like the first time I've seen white people and sheep. Oh. And she, yeah. <laughs> they look alike, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I'm not making judgments or comparisons, but I mean, you know, I'm just looking at, just you know, I'm just, you know, thinking like, oh, so this is where we get our mom more from, mm. like the sheep, yeah. you know. Mm. So this is where we get our lamb. Um, I can and, imagine the stories that that come from being the only girl in a boarding school. Right. So, so what's the rating of your podcast? <laughs> Um, so anyway, so I went to boarding school. It was like the most horrible, horrible, horrible experience. Um, yeah. And then um, I wanted to uh, be trained as an artist. My dad said, um, you know, there's no career in it. Mm. So mm. I've tried to supplement my creativity by taking up uh, fashion design. So I'm formally trained as a fashion designer. Come on. Um, and then so uh, so in uh, 1996, I graduated with a bachelor's in fashion design. And mm. then from uh, maybe 97 to 2000, I worked um, as a freelance making you know, costumes and working in wardrobe, um, in performing arts and in mm -hmm. commercials and in films. Mm -hmm. That's dope. I mean, that's when I got exposed to, um, you know, photography and video and film and mm -hmm. pr film productions and yeah. things like that. Yeah. And then it's from like 2000 onwards that I uh, pursued uh, my career as an artist full time. And then wow. so here I am, 18 years later. That wow. is amazing. That, that's a very snap. <laughs> shots right yeah. of your life of your life yes so i noticed um because i looked you up 
um, yeah. watched all like quite a few YouTubes. Notice you, you have a name change, name change now, right? So you, yes. Well, what's the whole uh, reason behind that? Okay, so uh, my my government name, mm-hmm. uh, my name on my birth certificate is actually called Shigeyuki Kihara. Right, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, Shigeyuki Kihara, and then, so Shigeyuki in Japanese means that I'm the leader of the family. Mm. So my brother Shigechika. Um, uh, is uh, the strongest in the family. Oh, and then wow. so my sister, uh, Sachiko Kihara, or Beatrice Kihara, she's the apple on the family. Ooh. <laughs> Look how she said that. She's the apple of the family. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that's, that's tight. Yeah, and that's then, really um, but since, uh, it's interesting because uh there was uh, a time when I went back to Japan to uh, participate in a conference. And then people would read my name and say, the Japanese people would read, look at my name, say, Shigeru Kihara. Uh. And, you know, I turn up looking like a woman. And they, were, they would think that, like, mm. oh, maybe it's a, like a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, there's a, there's a mistake in the program because Shigeyuki in the Japanese context is like Jack or John. Oh, you know? okay. So it's a common I, name? You know, so it's, you know, how, you know, how does a masculine name be attached to somebody that looks so feminine? Well, hopefully right, looking feminine. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um... You got Tom over here laughing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and then, um... And then I realized, well, you know what? Maybe I just drop the shige and then just go with Yuki because, I mean, mm. my parents call me Yuki. And then Yuki is a, uh, you know, uh, generic name for both, uh, you know, boys and girls. Right. Uh, the men and women in Samoa. Mm. I mean, sorry, in Japan. Um, so I've decided that I would just go with Yuki. I love yeah. it. So Yuki Kihara, and I'm actually thinking of, um, you know, coming out the third time and just calling myself Yuki without the last name. Ooh. Like Madonna. Well, I mean, P. Did it did it a couple of times. (laughs) So, like, you know, and it seems to work for him, so. Yeah, I I always call P. Diddy Puffy. I know. That's always just going to be Puff. Puff Daddy. Puff Daddy. Okay. But, yeah, that, I really, uh, I really love that, the meaning Thank you for taking us through the whole journey of, you know, you and all your siblings' name because... I know. You know, even with Samoan families, right? Like, even all PI families, there's there's always such meaning attached to your name. Mm. Yeah. Whether you're attached to, you know, ancestors from before in your bloodline or your your names come from the land and the, and the village that you're attached to. Yeah. To, to having... I have cousins that are, like, all got the same letter. With their name, mm. right? And I just always can appreciate names. You know, it's really what connects us. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I like the fact if you were to just come out with Yuki, I could just see all kind of stickers and I know memorabilia right? and mm. all that stuff. But I mean, the thing is, is that people in the arts community, like, they won't even say my whole name. They just say Yuki, and they know who, they know exactly who it mm. is. Why yeah. not? You know? Yeah. You heard but it first. <laughs> but it's really interesting, though. Um, like I was once accused of somebody Asian, like, exploiting Samoan culture. Because, oh, wow. you know, when you look at my name, Yuki Kihara, it is so distinctively Japanese. Right. Right. Like, you know, so if you haven't met me, then you would think that it's some Japanese person, like, you know, kind of. You know, right. you know, capitalizing on mm-hmm. Samoan culture, mm. and you know, they make judgment of, of the work based on that. Oh wow! You know, but you know, until they 
they see me and they realize like, oh, okay. I, and they hear you. You know, so, so, so how does the Japanese Samoan side come in? Because it's, you know, uh, uncommon, but it's actually pretty common. Well, who's the who, who's the person that accused you? Was it was it? There's actually quite a few. Sang? Oh. Yeah. I Not mean, you know, some are Samoan, some are Pacific Islanders, and some mm -mm. are, you know, um, I, it's just because, I have no like, idea. you know, they see the artwork, yeah. but they don't see, you know, they Somebody see the name, in right, the, but, you yeah. know, they don't know the backstory. Mm. And then so my, my, I understand that my story being very unique, um, you know. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah. you know, I, I take it with a grain of salt. But at the same time, I kind of use it to advantage because, you know, it kind of causes an intrigue. Yeah. It causes an intrigue for people to yeah. want to know more. And you flip them on, on their back when, when you open your mouth and you could speak Samoan and go toes with them, right? Because well, I, I mean, feel like that's a lot of prejudgment that they're, they're placing yeah. upon you, right? Because, oh, they, they see your name and they judge you off your appearance yet they don't know where you come from, your whole backstory, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. all of the intention and mm. and even just culture that's applied to it, right? Like, you don't mm. have to be, you don't have to have a Samoan name to be Samoan, right? Well, you know what? My, my Samoan family members uh, did suggest to me that I should have a Samoan name or Samoan mm. middle name or something like that. Um, but... I mean, it's the name that both of my parents agreed mm. on giving me. Right. And then, um, and I feel that uh, my Samoan experience is valid. Absolutely. That, that I shouldn't be, be, you know, conforming to other people's ideal of what Samoa or what is to be a Samoan or Samoan is. That's right. Um, that is right. And I kind of feel like, you know, uh, the Samoan experience come in a variety of shades, and I'm one of those shades. Right. That makes it unique. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that makes it beautiful, right? And very nuanced, and not just one singular thing moving in this world, right? But it's a it's a myriad of things uh, making all of these beautiful colors. Yeah. yeah. Right, because there's, I mean, even, like, we've had this conversation before, huh, Bex, about, like, just seeing ourselves as like Samoan-ish, right? Like mm. coming, being born and raised here, really living in the diaspora um, and so disconnected from the land, disconnected yep. slightly from, you know, culture, traditional practices, and even uh, being able to speak our native tongues fluently, right. Yeah. right? Like we really feel a detachment, yes, like, but like our appearance is very Samoan. Mm. Our name, you know, your name, definitely Samoan. Yeah. Samoan AF. But I'm a Yuki fire, you know, I'm about to just have it back. Bex, yeah. <laughs> I mean, come on, you're not D-boy. <laughs> right? Bex, Yuki. Yuki. <laughs> See? This is all going one name. everything. Just like, one name. you do, we're going to do. <laughs> <laughs> but I like that, though. You know, it makes um, it very... It very much validates our experiences. Yeah. Because um, even thinking back to Kiana about like, no, you're not Samoan-ish. Like, oh, blood right. running through your veins, mm -hmm. your experiences, it's all a shade of the Samoan experience, right? Yeah. And that's a beautiful way to I mean, you can't take away universe. the genealogy mm, right. before right. you. Right. right. 3,000, 4,000 years of... Samoan genealogy, it's Absolutely. you just can't take that away. Yeah. And and that's something that is so uh ingrained in us, right? Like you to know your genealogy, 
to know where you come from. Like when people say to know where you come from, like we really need to know where we right. come from, right? Yeah. That's why whenever we have conversations with other Pacific Islanders, right? Not right. even just Samoans, but all Pacific Islanders, like, oh, what, what's your last name? Right. What's, your, what's your name? Where do you come from? Who's your parents? Because all of those questions can then link you to where you all have a connection somehow. Yeah. yeah. Indigeneity. Uh, yes. <laughs> Indigeneity, indeed. So, um, I, I really think it's it's interesting that you said you have a background in uh, fashion mm -hmm. and photography. And it really makes a lot of sense because I feel like that contributes to a lot of your artistry, right? And just how you see... Um, how you see your visuals overall, right? Um, I think a, something that has always interested me, it's one of my favorite pieces by you, is The uh, the Last Tawalunga. Mm. Okay. That's one of my favorite pieces. And if you haven't seen it or if you're interested in seeing it, go ahead and check the notes because we'll put uh, the link to the YouTube video in our notes. Um, but... What I really loved about The Last Tawalunga is just how um, dark, you know, like, because there, there was a, I, I'm one who, so I have a film school background, right? Uh, but one of the things that I always hated to to do was lighting. I never knew how to create the lighting, but I always knew how I wanted it to look. And so when the the part in the video where it comes up where you're doing the SIVA, and it's it's you doing it in the all black dress, but it's also up against the wall, right? Like the, you see the, the big shadow, shadow right? the big shadow doing the dance, right? Um, and just the, just how traditional the the song that you were doing the Taolonga to um, sounded, you know, all of the all of that imagery combined, it really just hit, it really just pierced me in my, you know, in my. My uh, your soul in my Olanga or whatever. <laughs> I, I try to be <laughs> in your life. In my life. In your life. But yeah, it just really pierced my soul, like because um, it makes me think about just the experience of our ancestors. You know, with thinking about um, the missionization of our people and all these different influences coming in. Mm. And so I, um, I just wanted to pick your brain a little bit about like, what was what was your motivation for putting that together, and how, and what were you inspired by? Well, I'm interested in in how his or her street is is formulated, uh, and I like how you said that. <laughs> yeah, and and uh, who gets to tell it? Mm. Um, and I'm interested in um, finding ways that we can um, explore alternative histories. Mm -hmm. mm. um, and uh, sometimes there are things in history that's uh, too painful to talk about. Mm. Hence, I think why art becomes a wonderful mechanism for us to project our thoughts and our feelings right. mm -hmm. um you know as, as as something that we can project our our feelings and our ideas that we can talk about so that that is not necessarily like in your face um and then um the only way 
um, for people to talk about these um, difficult histories is when I believe that, you know, art is so beautiful and powerful that it, it evokes us and yeah. opens us up to talk about it. Right. right. Um, and then that's what I've always strived for in my art making is to create nice. something, you know, very provocative right. but equally beautiful um, experience that that we all get enthusiastic and all to right. feel powerful uh, or, and maybe equally vulnerable to mm. uh, to provide a space to talk about it, yeah. you know, to become a catalyst for these kinds of conversations to happen. Um, and then, so there is a photograph of a Samoan woman mm. uh, that was uh, taken by a New Zealand photographer by the name of Thomas Andrew. Mm -hmm. And then I think the photograph was taken in like in 1894, and it was a photograph of a Samoan woman wearing a Victorian morning dress, mm. looking straight to the barrel of the camera. Um, and I was very touched by this photograph because, I mean, first this photograph was called... Um, Samoan half caste, so the photographer didn't give her a name, but mm -hmm. called her like a half caste, which was obviously like a very derogatory. Mm -hmm. uh, you mean like afakasi? Afakasi or? means ah. half caste, derogatory uh, term at that time. But at the same time, I was very fascinated and captivated by the photograph of the Samoan woman in a Victorian morning dress, right. looking straight down to the barrel of the camera. Because every other portrait that he's taken, a woman is always looking away from the camera. Mm. Because hmm. he doesn't, you know, because he didn't want them to be confrontational to look at directly into the camera. Because they wow. say, uh, what do they say about the eyes? That's the window to the soul. Yeah. 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 Wow. But, you know, this woman looked very comfortable in her right, yeah. uh, black Victorian morning dress. It was fitted. It would looked amazing. She held a fan. Fitted for the gods. You know, <laughs> she looked amazing. She and held then, a fan. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That belonged to ASMR, man. Yeah. <laughs> um, no doubt she did that flip, you know, okay. with the film. Right. Okay. Know. And then I thought, like, wouldn't it be interesting to, you know, to make her come alive? Yeah. And then so I've decided that I would embody, I would create a personality and embody this image and then to make her dance. Mm. Um, and then, um, yeah, I mean, you know, I don't want... I mean, that's like a, a long story short. But, I mean, the thing is, is that, you know, when you see, I mean, Samoan people were wearing Victorian morning dresses, you know, during the Victorian era. You mm. know, I mean, I call them, you know, v Victorian Samoans, mm. you know. I like that. Yeah, Victorian Samoans. And then, um, you know, one would think that, you know, um, you know, Victorian morning dress and Samoans are very distant, mm -hmm. you know, uh, spectrum of, of, of culture. But, I mean, um, those, the bonings that were used to create those Victorian morning dresses um, in England, right, the boning, actually came from the bones of whales that were hunted in the Pacific. Mm. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then, so... Um, not only that, let me just extend that whale conversation. So the, all the, the oil that was used to lit up um, the, the street lights in London and across Europe were from the, the fat of the whale that, oh, were, wow. that were captured from the Pacific. Oh, my so, goodness. 
you know, the, you know, it took Pacific resources, right. you know, for Western women to look glamorous mm. and not only that, so they can see their streets at night. Oh, wow. wow. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what, what is, a nice history lesson. I know. I mean, that's, that's, so, you know, so when you think that's that, mind blowing. Yeah. I, so, you know, so when you think that only you know, Europe and Samoa are like two different places, well, they kind of meet in this you know, in this Victorian morning dress. And mm. so when you look at the skirt, it looks like a Fale Samoa. Right. It looks like a Samoan house because of the, the bell shape. You know? That's right. true, like from the waist. From yeah. the waist down. down. Oh. Yeah. Damn. And then so I when you look at dress, the structure the of the crinoline, uh-huh. uh, you know, like, you know, it's it's a very similar structure to how a Samoan Fale of the roof is. is that is, that interesting. is. That's so true. Yeah. It would take an artist to see that. I mean, did you design your own? I never that dress? No, I actually hired wore? it. Oh, yeah. Wow. But the thing is, that is that beautiful. part of my course, uh, part of my coursework of of being trained as a fashion designer is that we actually had to take a like a, a history of costume research paper. Mm-hmm. So you know, so it's not just about like you know. Chanel and everything like that. You know, like <laughs> right. we, we actually had to study like from Egyptian to That's you know, to Roman to you know, to Renaissance to Victorian and to you know, like you know, seventies flares to uh, yeah. you know and having that knowledge and, and all of that. But um, having that extensive my res- knowledge really yeah. helps uh, inform the it artistry. Inform my artistry. Right. And right. then so my research topic during, um, you know, while I was a fashion student was looking at um, uh, Samoan material culture, particularly like adornment and jewelry and mm. mats and textiles and things like that. I want to um, go back a little bit because you were referring to mm. the dresses as a... Uh, Morning dresses? Yeah, so it's called a Victorian morning dress. Um, so when Queen Victoria di- died, um, the whole the the entire colony had to wear black. Oh. Uh, oh. Okay. okay. Yeah. I was like, is it morning like in the like morning in the or morning, morning like Mo- your morning, morning like, of, yeah, crime, of death? Yeah, morning to death. Wow. wow. And and then you were speaking to the the bones of the the bones that were used uh, to to make the crinoline and the corsets. Yeah, those bones were made from the whales that came from the Pacific. Now, I know what a corset is, but what's the crinoline? What's crinoline that? is the structure that makes the oh. dress. So underneath that, 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 that dress, thing that, yeah, that there's actually like, um, uh, uh, like that, like that lamp. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that goes out so that it can be that Yeah, it wide. can be that shape. It's called a crinoline. Oh, crinoline. okay. Thank you. Just yeah. dropping. It's a crinoline, Danny. Dropping knowledge, <laughs> right? Who and then to think about like the and then the to make the corsets too. That's where the women wear that. You know, they get that cinched, cinched waist. Oh, cinched, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I learned that from. Uh, this is bad, but I learned that from RuPaul's Drag Race. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, that waist is cinched. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Wow. And just to think of like the correlation. Something that bigs have that we don't. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Whatever. <laughs> oh, Lord. Just to think about like how you said about how like um, so many of our resources yeah. from the Pacific were, were, should we say stolen or were, were exploited and yeah. then exported yeah. for... Europeans. Yeah. Man, that is just so like, it's just like another added thing to just be like, 
Bruh. <laughs> <laughs> another know? podcast topic. Another, another <laughs> podcast topic. That's so deep. But really, um, yeah, just, just the... Just the uh, the darkness of the of the peace, like yeah. all of that emotion, is really evoked. And I remember from the first time I seen it, I was just yeah, I because, felt all of that emotion. Yeah, because you know the tabalunga is uh, associated being a very celebratory dance, right? Yeah, yeah. And that juxtaposition of yeah. the two is. And then so it, I wanted to. Um, okay, so you know, can it still be a celebratory when we actually mourning? Mm. And then so um and and then um so it meant that I had to choose the right song yeah with the right tone and the right uh atmosphere maybe wow. that can push the mourning uh aspect forward right you know as a way to mourn the ancestors and to welcome the new dawn wow oh. <laughs> my goodness <laughs> I mean, just oh, so man. much of your work, it pushes the envelope to to have these critical conversations of how our how our experiences, right, as mm. Samoan, as Pacific people have been have been had, you know? Yeah. But, I kinda feel like it's very easy uh and pleasurable for me to present my work to a Samoan or to a Pacific audience because they actually get the key metaphors mm. that um and uh, you know and you know the key issues that I'm actually wanting to raise yeah. within within the context of our indigenous experience. Mm. Um, um because you know once you actually start talking outside of your own community and your own culture then you have to kind of work with cultural translation i mean right, that's an right. interesting process on its own but it actually can get quite daunting i mean i'm very interested to see like you know how the you know san francisco audience have, have you know responded to my work you know first impressions mm. that's currently mm -hmm. screening at um at the Fine Arts Museum of san francisco um yeah, i mean i'm going to be talking about it this sunday at the panel discussion but right. And that'll be real interesting to see. Right. I mean, yeah. hopefully there's some brown faces in the audience. There will be. Ours will. <laughs> <laughs> we will be there. Yeah. We're going to be in the fans. front row. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to be in the front row. for you. <laughs> okay. So you mentioned that um, you're half Japanese, half Samoan, right? Yes. And you speak both languages? Three. Three languages. Yeah. So English, Japanese, and Samoan. But I speak... Um, uh, more, I, I mean, I would say that my first language is English, second language is Samoan, mm. and the third language is Japanese. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Are you pretty active, you know, in with the, on, with the Japanese side? Well, with my mom, I speak to her both in English and in Samoan. Oh, wow. Yeah, and then with my uh, relatives, like they only speak Samoan, so I only have to, you know, I can only speak Samoan with them. <laughs> Um, sometimes I would speak them in uh, speak to them in English. They reply back to me in Samoan, mm. and I speak in Samoan whenever I can. But you know, my Samoan my Samoan is an informal Samoan, so I'm often quite wary of actually speaking to older people in mm. my Samoan because it's quite disrespectful. Disrespectful. But I am, um, you know. But it's but there's no excuse for you to not to learn Samoan Samoan when you're actually living in Samoa, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's that. I mean, that's interesting because so, there are there's folks. Huh, yeah. That but live I mean, there. like you know, I listen to someone radio. I watch someone TV. Right? I mean, I understand it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's awesome. But but you know, for me to speak Samoan, I have to think first before I say it. Yeah, but I think what that's what we should we should all do anyway. <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, yeah. I love it when uh, you know, people. You could definitely tell the difference of people who has who who has Samoan Samoan as their first language. Mm. You know, and, um, especially being here yes. in the diaspora of like being ashamed to speak English because they speak Samoan and they don't want to. Mm. They don't want to be otherized, mm-hmm. right? Because their English is not very good. And I always want to encourage folks, even though it's a big thing here where, like, you know, folks will be called a fob mm-hmm. because they don't speak proper English. But mm-hmm. I was schooled on this when I had an argument with a good friend of mine about, about like, why am I a fob, though, right? Just right. because I know our language and mm-hmm. I know our culture and our custom, like, I'm proud of, of to be what you're calling a fob, right? Like, you should be ashamed because you don't even know any all of that. And I w- mm. and at that moment, I was checked like, damn, you, okay, you're right. You know, here I am mm. trying to discriminate against you for not being able to speak English properly yet. But, you know, but it means that you know another language. Hmm. What do you mean? You know, like, well, yeah, you get called a fob, you can't right. speak English, but it yeah, means that, that part. You know, but it means that, you know, uh, that you're able to understand a, another language. Right. And, you know? and so how, I think that's your advantage is that you know more than one, more than a, one world. It's a complete <laughs> advantage, you know, and I've, I think uh, just growing up in this, in a diaspora and in this setting, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you kind of are exposed or like you feel like that's the right way of addressing people like that is mm-hmm. that they're other they're far because they can't speak english correctly and so you're in turn better than them when you don't even realize that that's what you're saying when you call you know mm-hmm. when you call folks a fob and so i mean just that just having that conversation about like being schooled on on that notion right oh, okay being schooled on that notion it really helped me to where, you know, folks who who may second guess themselves in speaking mm-hmm. English, it's like not just speak speak your language. You know, speak it speak it how you want to speak it, because it's up to other people to understand. Or you know, like let somebody else help make that distinction, because you should never feel like less than because you you don't speak English. Right. Very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry, I went off on a tangent with that <laughs> one. So even. Mm-hmm. Like, with your dad being Japanese, right? How was it when you came out? How was it for him? Because I have, like, some Japanese friends, and their parents are just strict. Like, there are they, so many boundaries, and especially even when it comes to, like, the LGBT community. I have a girlfriend who is, um, you know, she has a partner right now, and one of the hardest things for her was for her to get the acceptance of her father. Mm. So, like, how was that for you? My parents were absolutely against uh, me uh, transitioning, Mm. um, you know, living as a woman. Mm. And I think partly because they didn't understand it. um, And the only kinds of fafafines they saw, you know, as a middle-class couple Mm. in living in Samoa was that, you know, fafafing is... Uh, in the island at that time, you know, weren't necessarily, you know, in positions of power, 
or you know or uh, economic power mm. um and then so they kind of associated me to being um uh like you know one of them mm. you know they you know they weren't highly qualified or educated you know I mean, those are the kinds of fingers that they saw. Right. Mm. And they thought, you know, and they were afraid that I was going to be like them. Um, and uh, and in order for me to gain their trust, I actually had to work really, really hard, um, you know, in my uh, studies, uh, in my career, to give them faith that I was actually going to be okay. So mm. I actually, you know, won several awards. Wow. Um, and then, uh, and they slowly but surely uh, started to see me in a very different light. Right. They said, okay, so Yuki's a fafafinge, and, you know, we know fafafinge as being this, but Yuki being a fafafinge and, you know, doing well in these areas that she's pursuing is, is you know, is, it's kind of like a light at the end of the tunnel or something like that. Right, oh, yeah. That's so. um, and, um, and I kind of felt like uh, when, uh, because, you know, like I had to, you know, pose as a gay guy, mm -hmm. you know, right up to like finishing like, you know, uh, my bachelor's mm -hmm. uh, at, right. at fashion design. So after I finished that, it's like, okay, mom, dad, here's a certificate, frame it, put it up on your wall. <laughs> now right. it's like my turn. Right. Now, now I'm going to live my life. Now I'm going to live my life. Um, and that's what I did. And wow. then um, and, uh, they... Uh, they didn't take it really well, but I didn't really care because I was just a, just an arrogant bitch. <laughs> but at the same time, <laughs> like you know, um, I I you know, but I I feel <laughs> that I needed to be accepted, you know, yeah. and to be loved and you know feel validated. Um, and then so you know, I pursued my career very aggressively, just to prove to them that that you know I can be independent, that you know I can you know, stand on my own two feet and, and, um, and, you know, and contribute to society. Mm. Um, what you have done. Right. Contributed to the culture a lot. Thank you. And then, so the older they got, the, the more they became more relaxed. More relaxed. Um, yeah. Like, for example, I can show you the picture of my dad on my phone. Yes. Yeah. And then, so, um, uh, so, uh, so my parents are divorced now. Mm. Um, they, they, they've been divorced for like maybe 15 years or something. Oh, okay. But um, my mom lives in uh, Samoa and my dad lives in uh, Auckland. Mm. And okay. that's my dad. There you go. Oh. He's very Japanese man. Very. <laughs> very Japanese very. man. Oh. Yeah. Little Mr. Miyagi. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. How about how about, so, how about mom? You got a picture of your mom? Um, not in here. It's on my laptop. So. Oh. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, but but she's always on my Facebook. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then um, so like now they're okay with it now. Um, you know, my mom's like, so when are you gonna get married? You know, you can get married now in New Zealand. Like, where's your husband? It's like, shut up. Like, it's none of your business. <laughs> it's still it's still a thing, it's, right? It's work in progress. It's like, okay, it's now they got op over the hurdle. Now it's like, okay, where's the marriage? Right? Yeah. So my mom wants to, wants to cater for my wedding. Wow. Yeah. So she's like, okay, we're going to have oysters. We're going to have this. It's like, what if I let me know there's no husband? <laughs> <laughs> 
Coconut bowls, where are you? Tap in. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> I know, so she's sort of thinking about the menu, but there's no wedding yet. Oh, my gosh. So, um, so I'm, I'm very grateful to be in this, in this wonderful place. It Thank takes you. time to get there, oh, huh? It it's such well, a process. With my family, it took a lot of time to like gain their faith, faith yeah. right. in me and, and for me to educate them about... Yeah, I mean, I had to re-educate re-edu- myself about how I see myself. Right. Um, and then, you know, when I do that, then everybody gets right. educated. Exactly. Yeah. That's good. Just like the diet. <laughs> <laughs> right? Just like, diet. just like the diet. It's just... Let me become a product first, and then you get to Right. Me. I mean, it, it speaks to the leadership that is carried, you know, in in your in your government name, right? right. But But even though... You know, even though you switch it out, like they still, you're still very much a leader, and you're still very oh, much <laughs> fo- forward thinking and set the trend, right, and really Aww. set the example. Um, and even though you're met with challenges, you know, like it makes me think about this this uh, campaign that's out, you know, for young queer or just for the queer community yes. about it gets better, mm-hmm. you know, and it may be hard, um, and it may be difficult, and it's challenging, especially doing all that introspective work of. Mm. really accepting oneself and getting to the place of uh, being okay to live your truth, right? Where mm. you've got to just be that arrogant bitch, as you put it, and put your best foot forward and and live your life, right? Live your truth and, yeah. and continue to make progress as you go along. And, you know, if your, fa- if your family loves you, they'll come. Right. Yeah. They'll come around. But, you know, I'm very lucky that I'm very grateful to have, like, you know, parents that are very, very accepting of me. Mm. I mean, open to the fact that, I, you, know, I, you know, that I should have a partner. Mm-hmm. Um, and they know that I'm attracted to men. Mm. Um, so, like, we, we've talked about that. Right. You know, yeah. um, like, when is it going to happen? Mm. Um, and then my relatives are also you know, are aware of that. So I come from a very fully supportive family, but not all Samoan Fafafinis come from this kind of privileged background. Right. Absolutely. You know, as we can see in Samoan queer lives. And and that's the perfect way right. to segue into us talking about this beautiful book. Segway. So I am very excited to, to get to talk to you specifically about this book as being one of the co-authors. Shout out to Dan. Shout out to Dan, who uh, could not be here, you know, with you on this tour. But uh, I I know he was on tour uh, over there in Southern California because some of my folks over there um, in SoCal went to his speaking engagement at UCR. Um, and they they had him sent a really nice message um, about us, you know, just just being able to uh, push the conversation about the book and. Mm. Really use our platform to yeah, that was sweet. to put it on. So yeah, Dan said he had a very good time. Yeah, a lot, and a lot of the folks who attended said they had a really good time, mm-hmm. and were really just excited about this text. A lot of them are, you know, straight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and so that's always uh, encouraging, you know, like mm-hmm. folks uh, from outside of the community being excited to to read the text. You know, right. just yeah. because. As queers ourselves, right, this is a book I feel that's very relatable because, you know, we see our experiences reflected in it. Mm -hmm. But I feel like those who are um, straight have many relatives, you know, Mm. who who had these experiences or maybe they want to know more about the experiences Mm. of their family members. And this is a way to connect 
and you know just also pure curiosity mm. yeah um so i just you know while we have you here there's so many questions that we can ask uh but i think the first question that comes to mind is you know just thinking about like what were what was the thought behind creating this this text um so dan and i we first met in 2006 when uh, Dan flew over to Auckland uh, for the Love Life Fono. Mm. So the Love Life Fono is a gathering of like, you know, Pacifica, Fafafine, LGBTIQ community across um, Aotearoa and mm. the islands. Mm -hmm. uh, for like once a year, we will get together at a, at a marae um, where, uh, you know, we come together in fellowship. Uh, we talked about a variety of things like... Um, uh, human rights, mm. Mm. Um, you know, uh, for uh, Pacifica Rainbow Community, like that's another terminology we use there for the Pacifica Rainbow Community. Does that you mean know, uh, LGBT? LG, yeah, LGBTIQ. Oh, okay. Yeah, you know, like you know, in terms of like you know what's happening in Cook Islands, in Samoa. Is that Fiji, a symbol? Is that a symbol that's Niue, often used? The what? Uh, the rainbow. Is that is that yes. often used in the Pacific as well? Yeah. So mm. th that's the vernacular. Uh, in, in Aotearoa mm. to describe like the, you know, the Pacific uh, queer community is the Pacifica Rainbow Community. Oh, okay. Yeah. So because I'm speaking in that context, I will use those words. You right, know? Pacifica right, yeah. Rainbow Community. So, yeah, the Love Life Fono. And then so Dan flew over for it. Um, and uh, there's this uh, couple of nights they came to stay over at my, my flat. A tiny flat, and uh, you know, we talked about each of our practices. I we talked about a lot of things, like <laughs> coconuts. <laughs> How many coconuts and, uh, yeah. you've handled? Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> yeah. You know, that was one of many things that we talked about. Oh my gosh! <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, and then I shared with him about this idea of um, you know making this book. Um, that um, and whether if he could, um, you know, work on it with me because, I mean, Dan is actually like the literature whiz. Mm. You know, he he writes papers, you know, scholarly papers. Mm -hmm. He writes short stories. He writes novels. You know, he writes poems. You know, he's the, like the literary genius. And then so, I mean, you know, I'm not that at all. You know, my my art form is something else, mm -hmm. but his art form is in literature. Mm. Um, and, and, and I said to Dan that, um, you know, but what I can bring to the table is like my managerial producer skills. Mm. Like, you know, I can um, contact, um, you know, all the contributors, um, manage the deadlines, you know, manage the consent forms, right. um, you know, uh, you know, uh, work with the publisher, look for a publisher, look for funding, you know, all that other side that, you know, not necessarily, that people don't necessarily know about writers. Is right. that, yeah, a lot so, you know, of the background sometimes logistical like, you know, when work. you're a writer, you know, you don't just write, you actually have to think about all of this business side of things. Mm -hmm. um, and then so because I've actually, like by then, I kind of got the hang of like how to write like funding applications. Mm. Um um, it's like, you know, I'm not an expert at it, but I've got the hang of it. So let me just look after that side of things. Yeah. And then so you look after, you know, like the, the literature side of things. And, it, you know, I take your the guidance from you and what you need. 
Um, and then so uh, the process was that uh, we deliberately selected uh, people in the Samoan, uh, you know, rainbow community, in the Fafafini community, uh, that didn't have a platform. So when you go through the book, like most Samoans would say, like, oh, where's Cindy? Like, where's Victor? Where's Bertha? Where's Buckwheat? You know, where's, you know, <laughs> Bertha where's and Tanya? Buckwheat. <laughs> you know, where's, you know. Mary. <laughs> you, know, where, you know, all of, all of these names yeah. that, you know, like each community have, you know, the, you know the the classic ones, uh -huh. you know. Uh -huh. But the, the but the I mean, particularly in the news, you know, in the Aotearoa context, you know, when you know all the you know fa fa fingers were saying, oh, where's this? Who's where's where's this and that and da 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 da. Well, the thing is, is that we deliberately didn't choose them because one, they were artists, and two, they already had a platform. Mm. So, um, and these artists were making work. Uh, frequently, you know, they were drag queens. They, they had a, a name stage for themselves. Right. They already yeah. had a name for themselves. Like Victor, he's a playwright. Mm. You know, he wrote mm. for Shortland Street. You know, like they all have a platform. But so we deliberately focus on people that doesn't necessarily have a platform, and uh, and people wouldn't expect them to be, you know, Samoan, queer, fafafine, or yeah. anything like that. Yeah. And then so I think that's what makes the book really diverse because, mm. I mean, there are 14 uh, chapters um, and each chapter is written by a member of the Samoan, uh, you know, Fafafini community and two of them are stage plays, mm -hmm. you know, and they they were actually, uh, you know, staged. Oh, uh, wow. Before. Oh, nice. You know? Um, and then so I think it's also very important that, you know, alongside the personal stories that we actually publish stage plays um, you know, so that, uh, you know, so that um, you can see that these experiences have been, the output of these experiences come in many different forms. Yeah. Including theater plays and personal okay. stories. Wow. Um, and then um, they, you know, there are uh, two stories from someone lesbian women. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, who contributed in the book, and I'm really glad that they decided to take part. But uh, the thing is, is that, you know, I wish I could have had more than you know, someone, lesbian women, contribute in the book. Um, many of them are my very good friends, but unfortunately, they kind of felt that it wasn't their time right. yeah. to contribute. Mm -hmm. But I mean, I don't want someone queer lives to be the first you know, the first and the last. And book. the only, yeah. You right. Know, I right. want yeah. it to be, you know, uh, you know, hopefully there's going to be more material like this in the mm. future. I mean, I'm definitely inspired, mm. you know, because I, I asked myself that same question, right, when I seen the book and I was just like, gosh, where, where are all these people at, right? Like, there's a lot of uh, fa, -fa fingers, right, mm. in the book, but like, where are the, where are the cis Mm. gender you know queer women mm, uh, women yeah. cisgender queer men yeah in the book right and and as i was asking myself those questions i well, thought there's of, cisgender queer men in there oh right yeah. i mean there yeah there was a. Uh, let me just sell you know there's neo vivia there's isako right yeah there there's there's a few um but i was just thinking just asking that question right okay. because i feel like i've seen just uh, a heavy representation of um, of fingers. Okay. <laughs> but I feel like I'm not saying that right. But I think I was thinking more of like just just young younger folks, I guess. Okay. Mm, like millennials. 
Maybe, yeah. Um, but as I was asking myself these questions... I know what you mean by that, uh, uh, Bix, because... I mean, yeah, I could have asked like somebody in the twenty-year-old, but I mean, mm. what do you know about life? And when you're in your, when you're in your twenties, mm. so um, so the age was a very important thing, you know, for approach somebody that is not only willing to tell their story but had the life experience to say something. Uh, I mean, that's yeah. good to know because, uh, I mean, I I agree, but then I kind of don't agree because maybe there are there I feel like there are young people out there that could have experienced a lot of things that could could share um just their story right just okay. their own personal experience but not 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 judging what was put in the book right mm -hmm. like I was right. just that was what was com coming up for me and seeing this because it was like just this one piece of text right mm -hmm. and I want to see right. I want to see us all in there right yeah. I want to see everything in there and at that moment, I realized where it's well, like... Well, that's your next project. Exactly, <laughs> right? Like, right at that moment, I realized, like, no, this book is just, like, the first of many. Yes. Right. right, like, this... Maybe they hoped to inspire more folks to come out and create right. more text like Please this. Do. So, I mean, I just, you know, like, all that to say that, like, I really appreciate everything that's in there. Everyone who, you know, everyone who contributed because... It is all a piece of our history. Right. Mm -hmm. And I feel like for that age group, the millennial, mm -hmm. you know, the 20s, um, I feel like they, from what I've been exposed to, that they are more comfortable sharing their story, the Western audience versus in the cultural audience, you know, like mm. just my experience. You know, like they, in those spaces where it's like, non-Pacific Islander, they can go to town with just being vulnerable and just undone before that crowd versus the typical traditional Pacific Islander, yeah. Samoan, Tongan, Fijian family. Not many people, especially in the millennial age group that I have seen have been comfortable enough to even when they come with their partners, they still know that when you enter a traditional um, Pacific Islander house or church, you know that we have to sit here as friends, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. you can't mm -hmm. sit here as partners. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, what I'm hoping for the book to do is to cover those two places. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's, I, yeah. Oh, I can't wait for that to drop. <laughs> See it coming. Yeah. Danny Boy is going to be the yeah, co author. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, because, you know, in the book, you know, it talks exactly, you know, the authors talk about those experiences yeah. of, um, yeah. you know, working between Western spaces and, you know, Pacific spaces and, right. you know, how you mediate That's and true. negotiate yeah. these, you know, these, these uh, delicate balances. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and I think that's what we all do, um, as, as individuals. And I'm Absolutely. hoping that, um, you know, uh, this book kind of cover those cover yeah. those areas, but I mean, most you know certainly like um, you know le don't let this book on myself stop you two from you know from grow growing this right okay you um, know growing this this body of uh, conversations mm. absolutely I mean I th I thought about Bex and I too when you know see that's why I bought this book right it's just because thank you thinking about the platform that we want to create and mm. having this podcast is we want to you know be able to share our stories and so many other stories of like queer folks in the community 
because we are so nuanced, right? Like, right. like you said, you're you're one shade of the the Samoan experience, mm-hmm. right? And there are there's also other shades that you are a part of because we have all of those intersecting identities. Because you also are a Samoan queer woman, right? And and Samoan you have a Samoan queer life right. that you lead, um, and it's important to shade all of the colors mm-hmm. in that rainbow. <laughs> yep. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, yeah, I feel like I'm glad that you brought it up, too, about just the questions being asked about where's this person, where's that person, because I definitely had those questions. Right. But in that in that same breath, mm. it was as, as though I had the answer. Revelation. Revelation. <laughs> like, you fool, you know? <laughs> like, Bex and I, we're just two people. Right. With, you know, with one podcast and something to say and hopefully other folks come along and, you know, we'll create their podcast and and have something to say too. you know, like who are queer and Pacific Islander that have different experiences. Mm. But you guys also touch on diverse topics, you know, and I think, you know, uh, you know, and which goes to show that, you know, uh, you know, there is no one tunnel vision or right. experience you know yeah that uh that your lives are you know are uh colored in many different things right yeah so it's great that yeah. you talk about a variety of things yeah we try okay back to this book okay. <laughs> <laughs> we'd be going on oh man so how long did the process take for you guys to complete this whole book what was the time frame for this okay um well, it actually took uh, took us eleven years. What? Yeah, it took us eleven years because, um, like you know, many of the so called like you know Pacifica, you know, uh, you know pro Pacific and pro queer organizations, you know that, you know that presumably was supposed to help us, like mm. never got back to us. Mm. Well, because the thing is, is that you know, you know, we wanted. You know, Dan to fly over. You know, to, you know to. I mean, I was able to get funding for um, for Dan from Creative New Zealand Arts Council, which is like the national development agency, national arts development agency of the government of New Zealand, to fly over to Samoa to stay with me so that we can actually workshop it. But there needed to be more subsequent workshops and more business meetings to do. Right. Um, and then, um, so, you know, I went out there looking for support, looking for any kind of funding to all these organizations that supposedly supposed to help us and they never supported us. Mm. And then it was actually when Dan's friend, um, um, uh, Tuilangi Alan Alo, who has a chapter in the yeah. book, uh, when she passed away, then mm. Dan, you know, put his foot down and say, right, we have to publish this because mm. by then we've already lost four members of the Fafafine community who uh, published their uh, chapters in the book. Oh, wow. And, and we couldn't just, you know, lose another one. Wow. Um, so um, we asked the publisher that, you know, the time is now, like we need to do it now. Right. I mean, as a author, when I look at the book, you know, I see it very differently from how you guys see it because I worked on it. So right. I see like a whole different, right. you know, a it's, whole your ba- different, it's your baby. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, I, I see like a different, like, for example, like faults, you know, I see right. faults in mm. the book that, you know, I wish you, that, you, you, know, with, you know, with proper funding and more time, um, you know, that, you know, we, I could have actually, 
you know, whipped it up more into the shape that Dan and I both wanted. But we just couldn't stand back and just be arty farty. It's like, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, like, you know, f- f- our fingers were dropping like flies. Right. Um, you know, it was like, you know, it was Roger Stanley. And then just like a couple of months after that, it was Alan. And right. it's like, no way. Like, you know, we can't have, like, these two young Fafafines, you know, who are leaders in the Fafafini community in the island, pass away and not have the opportunity to have a, you know, have a look at, you know, have their chapters acknowledged. I mean, you know, so we launched a book uh, in early December in uh, Apia, in Samoa. Um, And uh, we invited the family members of the deceased Fafafines, who has the chapters in the book, to read an excerpt. Um, from their chapter, which mm. was very nice, and they came through. Yeah, they came through. That's what's up. Yeah, you know, I, I was really taken back when I read that in the book about losing four contributors yeah. mm. uh, to the book, and it made me think about like how, even the agency you're talking about to create this book, right? And at the time was now um, after losing, you know, the mm-hmm. fourth the fourth member of the um, of the book, and it just made me think about like how a lot of folks who do work to uh, stand up, you know, in the face of just injustice um, and really create change, mm-hmm. you know, that, that sometimes folks may not live to be able to see that change, mm. right? And uh, I don't know, it just really stuck out with me that, like, four people, you know, had passed already before before the book was put out and just how honorable... And even more special it is to have their stories, you know, in here. Yeah. Like, like it's a it's a gift, you know, for yeah. for us to have. So Yeah, I was actually really able special. to yeah, it was very humbling for me to actually meet the next of kin of yeah. each of the deceased and to personally give them the book. Have you ever met them before before that? Yes, I have. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. Um and then um so it was a real honor, you know, and like you know, like they didn't know that um um, you know, their Fafafina family member actually had uh, contributed to uh, oh, a chapter wow. in the book. Wow. And they were also very surprised about what they wrote, you know, oh. what they <laughs> wrote in the book. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, it, it was, um, you know, it was an amazing experience to be part of. Yeah. Um, you know, the experience of publishing a book is one thing, but, you know, like, you know, Meeting the next of kin, giving you the book, doing the launch, meeting with you. Yeah. I mean, it just keeps going. You know what I mean? Like, you know, so it's not like you finished the book and that's it. Like, you know, the, now it's the life of the book. Yeah. That just keeps. Right. You know, like, it's like, it's growing. like the book now has another life. Right. Yeah. You know, that it's out of our hands and it's now becomes something else that, that has its own life. Yeah. It's been incubating for so long. Yeah, right. it's be, exactly. It's been yeah. incubating for so long. It's the one that's out there, and it's uh, part of, you know, your lives and right, yeah. wider Samoan lives. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the yeah. hope is it will be. It will continue to be for a long time. Yes. You know, generations from now. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I just yes, get Lord. chills. Yeah, and then um, Dan and I were also. Uh, we both decided. Um, that uh, we would donate 100% proceeds of the book to two Fafafine organizations in Samoa. So one is the Samoa Fafafine Association and uh, in uh, Samoa and uh, SOFIA, which is an acronym for Society of 
uh, for Phoenix in American Samoa. Um, oh, it's wow. based in American Samoa. Yeah. So the uh, so the proceeds are split into two bank accounts that goes to support these organizations and the activism they do in the community in the islands. Mm. I mean, that, just that a lot. That uh, on top of everything that. that brings the uniqueness and the the meaningfulness and the, how special it is to to have this text. Like it it continues to give back to the community. Mm. You know, like that's that's admirable. That's that's such an like that's something to that's something to learn from. Yeah, you know what I mean, like. You know, one thing that I am trying now to unlearn and relearn is the term fa-fa-finge. Yep. Like, I've always kind of took that as a derogatory term, you know, yes. and I would cringe, you know, yes. to that. Totally understand, because I used to be like that, too. Right. Yeah. But um, I've took it on to myself now uh, to actually add a positive spin to it. Mm, um, sure. And um, many of us have done that now in the islands. Right. And then, you know, just for like a few small group of us that's taken this negative turn and turned into like a positive light. Right. And then now everybody is, is taking on it now. Right. Which term? Uh, the fa term fafafine. Fa oh. Yeah. Yeah. And it falls under even with women as well, right? Like women that well, act masculine and even women that just are feminine. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the English translation of fafafine means that um, it literally means in the in in the manner in of a woman, woman yeah. right? Yeah. So it refers to like biologically born males um, living their gender as a woman. Yeah, but now this term has uh, evolved to encompass mm. um, a variety of uh, shades of gender and sexuality that is outside of being heterosexual. Mm. Um, so it is a it's an it's an it's an umbrella term to describe a community, but within that community, you have your specific. Um, ways of you know describing yourself in your in your community that you come from right so it's not a term that we well i believe that it, it's enforced on people right. but it's just an umbrella term so yeah both, yeah um that you know that helps to to talk about a a, a group of people but you know, but we all know that you know everybody thinks very differently within this group. Right. It, it's like yeah. the LGBTQIA right. plus yes. label, right? Yeah. And the, and then there's different distinctions. Yes. Because because what are some of those other distinctions under the fafafinge? Um, well, you know. Um, label. Um, Dan talks about it in his in the introduction. Right. Um, you know, there's um, you know ta tawatane, uh -huh. uh, fatama. Oh. Mm. Uh, you know, there's fa fafafine, and yeah. there's like several other terms that are in there. But there's also contemporary, you know, uh, you know terms like um, you know like malatama, malatene, you know, so on and so forth. Um, but um, you know, language evolves as as time goes on. You know what I mean? Right, yeah. And then people come up with terms that that's suitable within, yeah. you know, within the within the cultural context of, right. of, of the time. Because there's some history to that that uh, that term mala, right? Yeah. So the word mala, mala means uh, it comes from the term called malaya, means cursed. And then so the Fafafini community have taken on to themselves to reappropriate this term, um, you know, to, as, as a way to empower themselves. Mm. Yeah. 
So again, like, you know, these terms are not traditional. Traditional, right. You know, right. But, you know, it's a, it's a very contemporary term that everybody's kind of taken it on and then now it's just, you know, become a thing. Right. Yeah. It's even but like the, the term queer. Right. Right. Yeah. Queer was used as a derogatory term. Yeah. Um, Yes. Way back when, and now yeah. it has been used to empower. Yeah. Right. But the word fafafina is actually came out of the, um, out the, the contact with the Europeans. Mm. Yeah. So the term fafafina didn't exist prior to uh, making contact with the West. It's it's actually came as a result of coming in contact with the West. And so the reason why I say that the term fafafina didn't exist prior to the contact with the West is that you didn't need it, mm. Mm. you know, because you didn't need it to describe somebody's difference. Come right. on, come on. That's good. Yeah, That's but good it's history. only when, you know, but it's only when, you, you know, you came in contact with colonialism and missionization right. and Christianity right. that needed to, you know, you know, divide and conquer, mm-hmm. that all these terminologies had to be developed in, in, as, a, as a way to make divisions, mm. right? And you you speak about this in in your um, in your forward. There's some there's some terminology that really stuck out to me that uh, I just want to get um, you to speak about a little bit because I see these words like faafaphobia. Yeah. Um, I make that up. Faafafeminism. Oh. Yeah. And. Uh, could you speak to, to okay, those so, words a little um, bit? So that's uh, phobia. Fafafobia is like phobia of fafafines. Right. right. Yeah, fafafobia. Mm-hmm. And then fafafeminism is when fafafine and feminism intersect. Mm. Mm. Yeah. That, I mean, when I seen those words. And, you know, and there's also words like, you know, fafastravaganza. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta click the fan for that one. Right. And, you know, and it's Fafa Fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> which you are, which you are. <laughs> yes. Uh, you know, you can, you know, merge two meanings and make it up. But I feel that what's the difference between, like, calling myself a Fafa Fine, um, you know, com- compared to calling myself queer, is that queer doesn't necessarily come with the cultural... Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, support that uh, you know th- come from the cultural perspective. It doesn't come from the Samoan culture perspective. Mm-hmm. Right. That's all. Um, and then so you know, although I'm not saying that you know, Fafafine community is fully supported 100% in Samoa mm-hmm. today, but it still functions within the Samoan cultural context. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That. Um, uh, that you know, within the Samoan cultural context, there are many of us that are, you know, trying to, you know, work towards decolonizing the mind frame towards um, looking at, you know, pre-contact practices of our ancestors. Right. Yeah. <sighs> <And> that, <laughs> Is it uh, deep? Yeah. It's hella deep. Yeah. And it's hard work. But you know, Dan and I would talk about this all, all the, the time. time. <laughs> Man, I need a chair at your your table. You need you still need a heater? Yeah. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> are you cold anymore? Are you cold no. now? <laughs> oh man. So where do you hope this text, you know, where do you, where do you hope it goes and like as far as like the message and, and where it, you hope it lands on and how the impact how you how you would like to impact 
the people with this book? Where do you see it? To offer an understanding mm. of mm. Uh, the mirrored experience of the Samoan experience. Mm. Um, I mean, in this particular, you know, it's, uh, I mean, yeah, the book is called Samoan Queer Lives. Um, but uh, I, I just kind of feel that the social history of Samoans is, is one-sided, that we don't often uh, broaden, you know, uh, our perspective to include um, members of the marginalized community within the Samoan cultural context that often gets neglected. Right. Yeah. 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 So if we are as Samoan people and communities to move forward, do we want to move forward together or just move some or, of or us, just some of us just right. move forward? Right. Do you get what right. I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, you know, um, it's interesting, like, you know, when I watch like RuPaul's Drag Race and then, you know, towards the end of the season, RuPaul will bring a picture of a kid. You know, so what would you say to yourself when you were 12? Mm -hmm. You know, and that's always stuck with me. I'm thinking like, well, you know. I wish I had a book like this when I was 16. That right. I mean, I, I watched that show too, and, and that part always uh, chokes me up, especially to hear what a lot of the queens have to say to mm. to their younger selves. Um, and, and even in my excitement with the, with the book and with the text, it, it renders that same question of like, what would I have done what could this have done for me mm. at that young age when I didn't understand a lot mm. of the feelings and intentions and thoughts that were coming up for me, mm. you know? And so that's why I really like just feel how necessary you yeah. know, this, this text is and how important it is because um, it, it can do so much for for someone, for some young people who, you know, who will mm. have access to this. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and I also think that it's not just for young people, but for adults as well. I mean, when we look at the <laughs> chapter for Sal, you yeah. know, he came out, Way you, know, after, you know, after he got married and had three, three right. kids. Yeah. You know, so like it's, you know, so. I mean, yeah, you know, we were young and we knew that we were different. So right. we, you know, at least we knew that. Mm -hmm. But yeah. then what happens then, you know, if you have a wife and three kids and then you come out. I mean, that's a, that's yeah. a whole different kind of dynamic. You know right. what I mean? And then so this is what I'm really grateful for. The, all the contributors in the book is that they, you know, they, you know, they just poured their hearts out. Yeah. And I'm very, very grateful for their honesty. Um, and their, uh, you know, for their honesty and their bravery to come forward, um, you know, in, in sharing their stories. Yeah. And then uh, another interesting thing is, is everybody was very curious about each other's stories. Mm. Oh, they didn't. I mean, like, you know, the Australians were interested in what the Islanders were doing. Uh -huh. The Islanders were interested in what the Americans were doing. Right. And the Americans <laughs> were doing, were curious in what the New Zealanders were doing. Right. And, you know, it's just kind of. You know, like we're all Samoans, but we all live in different places. Right. But we obviously experienced life very differently. differently. Right. You know, but all these things like issues about family, church, migration, love. Right. You know, except what we what we think love is. Right. Like you know, they're all common themes. That's that connect, very that true. connects us. You yeah. know, it's it's the, it's the tribe thing, right? Like mm. it's 
it's like, oh, I wonder what they experienced over there. Because it's like we belong to each other because we know mm. what our experience was like. And so was it similar for them? What was different about it? Just to know, you know, yeah. because it's I mean, not a normalized that, yeah. conversation that we get to sit around the table and have with yeah. people. And then, you know, and they talk about their first blowjob. Right. <laughs> right. right. You know, like, you know, no holds barred, right. you know. And then, um, so, um, you know, it's 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 as if, like, you know, they were just, like, dying for somebody to just listen to their story. And I'm really grateful that I was able to offer that, that platform. That platform. Yeah. Yeah. That is so awesome. I mean, you know, like, you know, for Jean to come out and say, like, you know, I used to rob houses. And, I know. You know, like, you know, they, I mean, and, like, everybody <laughs> in the book, like, you know, they didn't censor themselves. And I was kind of afraid. <laughs> Dad and I were kind of afraid, like, are you sure, like, you want to go that far? But yeah, yes, I do. But this is, is my life. Story. And this is my story. And I want to share it. Yeah. And I'm very grateful for that. It shows the socioeconomic status. Oh, right. Of, Absolutely. You know, different experience. Like, all of these different, like, uh, contributing factors to their lives yeah. are shown in their stories. Yes. You know, especially with Jean and yeah. her and her special story. Even uh what was the the gentleman's name, the older man who came out uh later? Uh, Sal? Sal, right? Yeah. Even Sal's story about um about coming out later in life like that that's so important because folks who you know, go that route may never ever come out. Yeah, because you know, I the know. typical fafafine will be that oh, you know, born a boy, you know, showed effeminate, you know, signs, and then you know, grew up, you know, as an effeminate gay male or right. you know, or trans or something right, like that. Because yeah. like you know, that's the kind of like the the standard route that everybody knows how you know how a person lives their life as a fafafine. Mm -hmm. But what happens then, you know, you're married with a wife and three kids, you know, like how do you come out and cope with that? And, you know. But I feel like there's, there could always, there maybe there have been people kamumuing under their breath, like, yeah, eh, maybe, maybe not. I mean, he's married. So then people just automatically think, oh, okay, well, so, you know, if, if they have a spouse and kids, then they're fine. Mm, right. Yeah. When you, don't know what's really going on. Yeah. But I mean, you know, throughout that experience, you know, Sal, you know, kept himself together and supported and dedicated himself to raising his, uh, you know, three his daughters. Three daughters. Right. Yeah. So, I... yeah. I mean, you know, I can just go chapter by chapter, <laughs> but I, you know, I'm just like highlighting things here. Like, you know, like a Siobhan story is very interesting. And she talks about like how back in the 60s, mm -hmm. like, um, I think uh, the, the the group of Afafingas in Tutuila would call themselves uh, Beverly Hills, I think. And then they would call, and the group of Afafingas in Upolu would call themselves um, Hollywood. Hollywood, right. I remember reading that And then so like story. every time, you know, the, the Upolu Fafafingas would come over uh, to, to Pango, the, the Pango Fafafingas would, would say like, like, oh, like, you know, Hollywood's coming over. Mm. Or, you know, like, you know, Beverly Hills is coming over, like vice versa. <laughs> yeah. Totally, so, totally you know, so another are, culture. You know, right? so these, these are houses. Yeah, <laughs> definitely different houses. You know, uh, there was like you know, there was Beverly Hills, and there was there was Hollywood. Hollywood. Yeah, <laughs> you know. I I think uh, I mean just one last no thing, uh, thought that came to mind in terms of like the word fafafinge is that I know from my from my personal experience being called that I always uh, 
cringed or I yeah. always like felt very negative being called that because yeah. it, there was such a negative yeah, because context the, the, the and connotation context in which people use it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so and so really to even like consider myself I don't consider myself a fafa finge, but yeah. you know, like to hear you say about how in Samoa it's kinda like an umbrella term, it makes me think like, well, you know, it doesn't sound right. as damaging now, especially because I've done a lot of the internal work. Um but I feel like it's it's still very like a, a separate separate experience from my own. Okay. Right. Where like I feel, I mean, I think I just found comfort in this identity of calling myself queer. Mm. Yeah, sure. Right. I mean, that's fine too. And and, even, and you know, and nobody's here to judge you. But I think the beauty. Know? I mean, I think the beauty of of it all mm. is that like I no longer feel like I see that negative right. connotation with the term mm. fa finger, right? Mm -hmm. Like if somebody was to call me that, it wouldn't hurt like it used to before. Right. Yeah. Right. Because now my my understanding of it is even more deeper. Um uh, having this having mm -hmm. this text, but also to hear you um explain it in such a deeper and meaningful way. So I just want to say thank you for thank you. Yeah. For okay. you know blessing Blessing our minds and blessing Educating the microphone us. and really putting us on with your fa'afa fabulousness. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I found such peace, you know, in this book because right. now it's like, well, you can call me whatever you like. Just read the book. Just mm. read the book. <laughs> <laughs> I'm published. <laughs> and then you snap your fan. <laughs> yeah, there's so much courage in that book. There's vulnerability. Mm -hmm. There's transparency, there's hope, you know, there's a lot of great things that come out of that book, you know, and it, it's, it's a must have. Everyone should have it, whether, um, remember he said that there was a lot of your head row friends were ordering this book. Yeah, like my straight friends are reading the books. Come on. Yeah. It's a great book, you know, again, there's that one little segment of Danny Boy and I trying to uncover that book. There was so much that came out of me. And in that moment, I was having a little healing moment, you mm. know, and it was, I wouldn't, I don't think I would have gone to that place emotionally. If there wasn't something in that book that led me to that, you know, an old emotion that I had kind of suppressed. And I'm grateful for that, you know, mm. it's stories like that, that really help people walk into their truth faster, you know, mm -hmm. and not take the longer route. It's like when they see people that look and sound like them, wow, I have hope. Now I can, you know, take a bigger step forward into just finding their truth and their identity and who they are. Yeah. So, yeah. Thank you for this book, Yuki and Dan. It's our, it's our new Bible. And thank you for supporting <laughs> it. It's yeah. been an honor to do so. It really has. And thank you to all the contributors who have... Uh, had the courage to share their stories and be I so know. to be so truthful. Yeah. Oy. Well, so it's much. about that time. Yeah. Um, you guys seems lost for words. I mean, I, I, because I of the am. history. There, there's, there's so much, there's so much to like process, right? With, I mean, all, I can just keep going, you know, and just, you know, I'm just just due to limited time. I just hope that I was articulate enough in things that you wanted to know about. Oh, no, you were. I, I feel like you were, yeah. and you gave us a lot. You really gave us a lot to think about because I think in when you were sharing so much about the 
the historical context of creating this book, the historical context of our people, your artistry, even to tell us about your history, your own personal oh, okay. life history, right? It gave us so much understanding of who you are that, like, we we need... We're digesting it. Okay. And, and I'm really... Uh, kind of like battling with myself internally too. Right. Because okay. I'm like, gosh, I'm usually good at like coming up with follow-up questions, but I'm just like, just just keep talking. <laughs> just keep talking, Yuki. Teacher, student. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah. Um, how, can, how can folks get their hands on um, Samoan Queer Lives? Okay. So if you are living in uh, San Francisco, please... Uh, Come and uh, celebrate with us the the book launch of Someone Queer Lives, mm. which is going to take place at the City College of California. Oh, San Francisco. Sorry, San Francisco. <laughs> As you can see, I'm not from here. City College of San Francisco. Um, I am delivering a keynote yes. um, about the book. Nice. And we're actually going to have um, uh, the contributing authors going to read an excerpt from their chapter. Yes. Yeah, what? So, yes. Yeah, so it's going to be held on... Um, Wednesday? No, Thursday. Thursday. Uh, February 14th. That's Valentine's, Valentine's Day. Day. There you go. Come you find see, your I, boo. See, no, yeah, find I, your I boo. I never get Valentine's, so that's why I don't remember the day. Oh. <laughs> well, hopefully, maybe on that day. I think we'll find You might have too many Valentine's over <laughs> there. <laughs> and it's uh, 5 to 9 p.m. Yep. And then uh, there's actually going to be uh, a meal that's going to be served. Yeah, um, have at a, the event. Yeah, they're going to have a whole program. This is... Uh, yeah. And I'm going to be screening um, some few films that I've made. So it'd be great oh, for everybody to show up. Definitely yeah. come through. I'll be there repping for us, for yes, the cultures. I know. While Bex hold it down over there. Second job. I'm going to call in. Hopefully what? my boss don't <laughs> listen to this podcast. <laughs> no, I'm okay, just going to call in. For the might be in the house, but shout out to City College. I know. Is uh, it a free event? Yeah, free. Wow. Free to the community. Uh, shout out to the VASA the Vasa crew over there at City mm. College of San Francisco. David Palaita, I see you. Thank Ooh. you so much. There you go. There you go. Um, so definitely come out and check that event. Check out that event. Uh, you'll have books available yes. there. Yeah, there'll be book for sale, um, and I'll be there uh, together with the with the contributors to sign the chapters and the book. Absolutely. Awesome. And Yuki, how else can folks get in touch with uh, if they're interested in looking at some of your work or anything uh, you have coming uh, up? Find me on Facebook. Uh, that's the best way you can follow me. Okay. Um, and, um, you know, you see me in my trips. I'm mm -hmm. currently in um, California. I go to LA, um, you know, go back to New Zealand. I go back to Samoa. So, um, yeah, I mean, if you want to keep in touch with what I do, then it's uh, the best way is just add me on, on Facebook. Yeah. You're and so then please, international. Let, and, uh, yeah. please tell me how you found me. That's always just nice. Just add it. Yeah. So international. Mm. Oh, man, I would hate for it. I hate that it has to end. So cool. <laughs> I know. It's Fafa National. <laughs> <laughs> what else? What else you got in there? <laughs> What else you got in that bag? <laughs> oh, man. So how how are you going to take care of yourself for the rest of the week, Danny boy? Um, I'm going to take care of myself this week by picking up uh, this book and reading another chapter. Mm. I, I have to admit that even just reading the foreword and the introduction and reading Jean's story and some of Siobhan's story, 
um, it's heavy, you know, it's very heavy. And so, um, I haven't picked it up since because life, you know, life has just gotten in the way, but I want to read another chapter because it's important to hear the lives right. of folks from our community, our tribe, and, and really, um, keep them alive. Mm. You know what I mean? Because so many of, uh, so many of not just Samoan lives, but queer lives have been have been taken. Right. You know, by different different means, um, especially because of discrimination. And so I definitely want to pick up a chapter and challenge myself to really be in it and um and feel everything that comes up. Good for you. Yeah. Yeah. How about you, Bex? How are you gonna take care of yourself? I'm going to really try to get my day off on Thursday. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to take City care College. of myself and go do some self-care at San Francisco City College. But yeah, I'm ho- hopefully I can get some time off so I can come and see you again, even though I think we're going to see you Sunday. Mm-hmm. We're so. going to see you Sunday. I told I told Yuki, look, we're going to be with you. We're going to be in every leave. spot you're going to be at mm-hmm. while you're here in, uh, in the Bay Area. So right. just get used to seeing our faces. <laughs> I know. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. <laughs> Great hosts. <laughs> Thank you. What about you, Yuki? How are you going to take care of your, take care of yourself the, for the rest of the week? Well, my week here is quite hectic. Mm. So um, I just have to uh, prepare uh, ahead of the, t- the tasks that I'm actually here for, mm. uh, which is uh, to pee, you know, at the to be at the panel discussion on Sunday at the Fine Arts Museum of San Francisco, um, um, presenting lectures at the Los Angeles County Museum of Art, at the Roski School of Art and Design in LA. Um, and I believe that we're also going to meet again next next week um, for our visit to the museum to look at Samoan material culture. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there's a, a, a bit of preparation to do for, to, to make that all happen oh. while I'm here. So, but I mean, you know, this has been months in the planning. Yeah. So I'm, you know, now I'm here to finally execute it. Mm. Yeah. Maybe we can squeeze in like a massage date so we can go to like a spa and go get you your neck massage. Cause yeah. Get so that neck like, cracked. Yeah. Okay. Go, or or we get her, we could, we could find somewhere to take her to get a massage and she get a happy ending. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, or or get oh, my you nut, want a or, massage, massage. Yeah. Or, or get my nut cracked in. <laughs> yes, yes, oh, all Lord. of that. Yuki, it has been an honor and a pleasure <laughs> to have two, you I'm and all you. your fa'afa fabulousness <laughs> up in here. All of your fa'afa, what else? Um, fa'afa, fa'afa stravaganza. <laughs> What's a what's a word what's a word we can put in there for the culture? Your fa for ratchetness. <laughs> <laughs> Just all of it. It's been such an honor to have you here. Thank you for sharing your time and your energy, your wisdom. Yes. And and your and story. stories. Thank yes. you for sharing your story with Those us. Are gold. Oh. <sighs> See you at the launch. <laughs> Thank you. All right, y'all. Take it easy. We'll see y'all next week. Peace, love, and happiness. Peace. What we doing it for? We doing it for the culture. For the culture. For the culture.